Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Joy, do you have a favorite Starbucks holiday flavor? It's not pumpkin spice, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Job Logs, a podcast that features candid conversations with young professionals about work, life, and everything in between. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Job Logs. I am Joy Marie. The Slytherin and Hufflepuff <laughs> intro. <laughs> I am Courtney. <laughs> and this is Job Logs. Um... So first things first, you know, on a more serious note, really have to say our hearts and deepest prayers and condolences go out to all of the victims of the tragic attacks in Paris. Definitely. It's so much craziness happening this week. It is. It's and it's lot. incredibly disheartening. So, you know, for all of those 129 families, um, those friends, those coworkers, those colleagues, anyone that was fortunate enough to know somebody that passed in those very very tragic attacks um mm -hmm. our hearts definitely go out to you and yeah. you know you guys just show a little bit of kindness to people around you this week i think mm -hmm. things like that just remind me to be yeah friendly and show love to my family and friends so. definitely definitely yeah but want to jump right into yeah. today's episode we have some exciting stuff lined up for you guys yes i have old friends coming <laughs> i'm very excited about that got some creatives in the booth Yes. Everyone knows I love a good creative. Yes, that is our guest interview. So tune in a little bit later for that. Um, but also, firstly, I wanted to congratulate our past guest, Morgan Debon, who's the CEO of Blavity, on her feature in Forbes. So cool. we'll link to that. Check her out. She's written up in Forbes talking about Blavity and her growth. Yeah, doing it. Yeah, we're always happy to see, you know, people in our network and circle flourishing. So congratulations, Morgan. Um, also want to plug again and remind you to download your free copy of our ebook, 43 Questions That'll Transform Your Job Interviews from Drab to Fab. So you can head to joblogs.com slash ebook to download that through November 30th. And then we are removing it. Uh -oh. It's going away. Get so it get while your copy. Yes. Um, and then also just a little like plug. We were featured in... Tomorrow Looks Bright, which is an oh, awesome nice. yes. newsletter by Christy Tillman that features just awesome projects from women of color. So mm -hmm. thank you, Christy, for the feature. You guys yeah. can go to TomorrowLooksBright.com to check her and the platform out. Cool. So what's been what's been happening in your world? Oh, yeah. Time to clock in. Um, so I celebrated my birthday, as you guys yes. know. I went to Miami. <laughs> And I wrote about it on the website on jawbox.com oh, cool. because during that trip, I had probably the worst customer service no. experience of my life with American Airlines at LaGuardia. <laughs> Shout out to Michelle and Sabrina at Gate D10. So um, many specifics. <laughs> um, it was terrible. I mean, it, it involved like shouting matches and I can't really, I just don't even, I don't have the energy to get into it, but mm -hmm. it really just stemmed down to like terrible service and just not treating people nicely at mm. work. So guys, please be kind to people around you. Um, but I also had like one of the best experiences of my life um, at the well, Red Berry. Yes, the Red Berry um, South Beach in Miami. It was just like phenomenal service. Like I went down with my roommates. It was a girl's trip. They brought us like bottles for our birthdays <laughs> and wrote personal handwritten notes. It was just really yeah. lovely. So um, that was fun. In real life, I also hired someone at work. Look at so, you, boss. <laughs> yeah, so I am managing someone's whole like career and development. Which, <laughs> Their you know, life is in your hands. No biggie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's required a lot of like intention around like structuring not only my day but her day and also like getting to work earlier uh, yeah. <laughs> setting an example exactly exactly so that's kind of where i'm at other than that still wrapping up the year um and then also 
we went to the pop-up magazine yeah. show that we told you guys about. It was so cool. Really cool. I loved it. Um, so thanks again to Chaz Edwards and the whole team for extending an invite to the event and the after party. Yes. Had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. What's up with you? Um, everything's going really great. I just I made it through my group project, guys. Oh, congratulations. I'm very excited about that. Not I mean (laughs) stop. Um it went really well. We had some hiccups that at Mm. first I was kind of I had some thoughts about, but then (laughs) I got to class and talked to other people about their experiences. Got off really easy on my part. Really? So God knows what I can bear. <laughs> and I thank him for that. Won't he do it? Um, and I've also, you know, like we said, there's so much happening in the news lately. Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot. Lord, walk with me as I talk about this. But the Mizzou protests mm. have been in the media a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't been following them, um, it got into the media because uh, Mizzou students, they've been protesting really for months, actually, yeah. just about racial tensions on campus. And it came to a climax when mm-hmm. a student went on hunger strike, and that spurred the football team um, to boycott like practice and their game until their president was mm-hmm. removed. Yep. Tim Wolf. Yeah. And the president did resign. He did. Uh, so there was a lot in the media about that. And I first want to commend those students because, again, they've been doing this for months, even yeah. though we just read about it. Yeah. Um, so that really takes, like, endurance and term- determination. And so kudos to them. Yes. Because I feel like youth are really what leads these movements. Yeah. Because, like, we're, like, kind of in the system. Like, we have yeah. jobs. We yeah. have bills. So, yeah. like, I, I don't have that same I mean, I have that fire, but I don't have yeah. the freedom to, like, yeah. go out. Yeah. Um, so just letting them know that. Student activism is so important. Yeah, because, I mean, so like, important. I can support them, like, mm-hmm. whether it's my pocketbook or my platform, yeah. so I'm happy to do that. Yeah. So, like, thank you for going out there yes. and doing that. But I was thinking about, because uh, I don't know why I read the comments mm. of the news article, but I read them. You taught me that. <laughs> I know. I don't do they that. I do not do that normally. But mm-hmm. I did, and a lot of people were saying, like, well, why do they expect, like, the president to be able to control individual students or there's a lot of feedback about oh why are we trying to coddle students they want these safe spaces and the world isn't a safe space this coddling student thing that i've been seeing and here's the the thing it's hard to wrap your head around operating in a space that isn't design with you in mind Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's also very easily to take for granted when a space is designed Mm -hmm. for you in mind Mm -hmm. and i was reflecting on that because i've taken for granted that the first 20 years of my life i've operated in a space designed with me in mind okay like i grew up in prince george's county along with joy Um, it's known as like the richest black Mm -hmm. county in the country but it is that but it all it's right next to dc so like i've grown over up with like a wide variety of yes. black people. Yes. But the key was that like it that was our space. Mm-hmm. Um then I went to Howard University, HU. So <laughs> I was around again a space catered to me and mm. mine. So it was a point to be made that like, oh, to reaffirm this young mm-hmm. woman, to mm-hmm. say like, oh, the way your hair looks is beautiful, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. oh your culture matters. Yeah. Oh, you can do all of these things yeah. even if someone suspects differently and yeah. having that yeah like so just like shape the confidence yeah. i have and like c- contrast that with going into a space where like oh the streets are named after a slave owner or yeah. your dorm room or yeah. your classroom is in a building where you know this person yeah. is a racist yeah. or going to a job where like yeah senior management feels comfortable making watermelon and chicken jokes true story from my life Ugh. like yeah. that so yeah. like those little things, like when you're thinking about, like, why are people making big deals about little yes, things? Yes. Those little things, like, add up they and do. They chip away. They do. And, and the reality, too, is that for a lot of us, we've been complacent with dealing with those little things because it's just always been the norm. Yeah. So I think a lot of that, that tension that's coming from people who can't relate and don't understand is because they haven't seen us get riled up about these things True. because we've been dealing with them. And we've been complacent in that for a while. But now it's like a breaking point and it's a tipping point. And yeah, like these issues pick up momentum. They pick up steam. So it's so empowering and so awesome to see students speaking out against things. And like the whole coddling argument really, really ticks me off because like 
just because it's happening in one place, that's that's how these things happen. It's a domino effect. Yeah. Like one voice is brave enough and loud enough to start to influence others who maybe, yeah, you hadn't heard from them previously, but guess what you're hearing from them now? Yeah. It's always been an issue. Maybe we just weren't speaking up about yeah. it. Yeah. So I so. think it's just kind of be open-minded and understanding as people create not necessarily safe spaces, but spaces that aren't detrimental. Yeah, and I mean, I have really debated making this a rant, and I'm just not <laughs> going to get into it. But I would say from a prof- professional yeah. perspective, please watch y'all's comments on social media. Please, True. for the love of all things True. living, please. I don't understand the people who do it, like, when it's Facebook comments. Yeah. Like, you haven't seen people get fired over this Yes. Place? Yes. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, I don't have the energy to get into it fully. Yeah. But look, watch your, we're all entitled to our perspectives. And I believe in respecting different opinions and perspectives. Do you need to share those perspectives all the time? No. Please be sensitive about mm-hmm. your social posting. You have a responsibility to yourself. And yes, anything you say on the internet can always come back to haunt you. So I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. We're dropping um, the mic. Yes. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> So now it's time for rants, raves, and reviews. This is the segment of the show where we both share a rant, rave, or a review of a product, a service, a tool, or an experience that's positively or negatively impacting our professional lives. Mm-hmm. So um, this week, Are you Courtney, ranting, raving, or reviewing? Because I am <laughs> raving. I'm actually raving, oh, good. which is rare for me. My <laughs> favorite, uh, my default tends to be rant but i'm gonna go ahead and rave i'm gonna give kudos so we talked about um you know the tragic incidents that happened in paris Mm -hmm. over the weekend so i'm gonna have a rave to facebook for a little feature called safety check which i recently learned about um so introduced last year it's a feature basically on the platform that was inspired by an employee project which is awesome to mm-hmm. me, like the fact that one employee spoke up and had a voice. I um, mean, it was basically in response to the Japan tsunami from 2011. Mm-hmm. So the employee created a tool to be used during natural disasters where you can go on. Um, well, Facebook would one identify if you're in a region with a natural disaster and then give you this prompt to check in and let your friends and family know you're safe mm-hmm. or, you know, or not. Um And the employee created it with natural disasters in mind. And this past weekend with the the attacks in Paris, it was the first time it was actually used in a terrorist attack. So people were able to log onto the platform and indicate if they were safe. You can also go on there and indicate if like a friend or someone around you who doesn't have internet access is Mm -hmm. safe as well. That's really cool. That's it's so dope to me, like to see technology used for like social good and for impact in that way. Um, I think a lot of times we can get stuck in like our bottom line and our profits and loss and how is this going to make money for the company. But like to see a company rally behind an idea that an Mm -hmm. employee had that's really impacting humanity in a really meaningful way to me is so impressive. So I love that. Yeah. And I do hope they roll it out to other areas because I know when see y'all going to find out that I'm a little touch of militant <laughs> when they rolled it i'm like so what about what about all the other countries that got issues going on true, but this true. is the first time true. that they rolled it out for a terrorist yeah. attack yes, yeah yes, so yes it that's, is that's such a great great tool yeah and i mean they're iterating as they're growing too right yeah. again it's like it's an icky time it's an icky topic but yeah kudos again kudos. to facebook for yeah, doing that communication is so critical during those times so yes. Love that. What are you uh, I am doing? raving. I spent um, last weekend binge watching Master of None uh, on Netflix. I am on episode two. Oh, really? Yes. It's so good. Um, it's Aziz Ansari's new show. Mm-hmm. And I don't see it for his stand-up, so I was a don't little... T- I do not. <laughs> so I was a little touch and go okay. with this, okay. but um, I tried it so funny really Mm -hmm. really smart too Mm -hmm. like it critiques everything from dating to race in hollywood Mm -hmm. and you laugh the whole time Mm -hmm. so i love that and sorry to be on my like change gonna come steve (laughs) this episode but i love how diverse the show was yeah um 
Okay, I loved how diverse the show was, and it was so interesting to see a show where uh, a array of different ethnicities were centered. Yeah, yeah. Because when we talk about diversity, I think a lot of people think about it like, oh, you know, black people just want to see more black people, Hispanics mm-hmm. just want to see more Hispanics. Mm-hmm. Like but throw like, a couple of them yeah, in there. Yeah, but like I want to see fine. like how does a Pakistani American live? How yeah. does an Asian American live? Yeah. What's it like to have um, parents who are immigrants? Yeah. Like I, I'm interested and I want to see all those different experiences. Yes. And just from a storyteller perspective, like the beauty of story is that you connect with people. You see how we're all the same. Yes. It's very hard to do that when all the stories are about the same people you ain't lying (laughs) (laughs) so kudos to aziz kudos to netflix i love how they really take chances on shows that don't go with a formula yes yeah yay so waste your whole weekend on it just put it all in there all right, guys, we have a great guest today. We have JT List in the studio. He's a photographic artist, poet, and educator for social change. And much of his work is a commentary on social issues that he uses to raise awareness and help raise money for nonprofits throughout the country. Um, JT is also the founder, or co-founder, rather, of Taskbar, an affordable community workspace located in East Harlem. He's also a special part of my history yeah. because he was my first print um, interview profile oh, that really? I ever did for Blue Magazine. That's right. That's right. So welcome, JT. Thank you. Welcome. So Thank you for having, having me. Well, Joy, why don't you kick it off? First question. Yeah. So the first thing I need to ask is what is a photographic artist? Photographic artist. Yeah. So I, I've been messing around with that term a little bit um, probably over the past couple of years because what I do is, is a a little different than what you may see as traditional photography. Okay. So I take multiple images that are mine, um, and then I layer them together, and it creates uh, a piece of artwork that I then you know put on canvas or a different material and sell in galleries and yeah. things like that. So it's not just like photo shoots. Right. It's random things I see on the street, you know, splatter paint on the sidewalk or... Uh, just a cityscape scene or yeah. even street. It's a combination of all different forms of photography mm-hmm. into one piece. Very dope. Yeah. I love it. Um, how'd you fall into that? Because that sounds like something you've kind of created yeah. or a term yeah. you've kind of coined for yourself. So. Totally. Um, I'm completely self-taught. Mm. So I've been doing this for about five years now. And uh, it started off with photography, mainly like street photography, just walking yeah. around like East Harlem and the South Bronx and just capturing the scene as I saw it. And then uh, just playing around with the computer. I started yeah. off with a PC, like Microsoft Windows Gallery. And oh, I just you? like playing around with the equalizers. And I thought it was pretty cool to change the coloring. And then, you know, that led to working with different programs. And yeah. then when I found layering, I mean, yeah, that mm-hmm. was it. it I was relate to that. Courtney knows, like, um, Aaron and I, who's a past guest on the show, we grew up playing around in Photoshop. I don't even think it was Photoshop at the time. It was a program before that, like some picture mm-hmm. editor, and you just kind of make graphics and yeah. design things and play around with it. So it's pretty dope. That's really, you know, just the the playing aspect is really how I evolved uh, and found my voice. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they, you know, whether it works for them or not, they choose to, to go to a school yeah. and have professors tell them what yeah. what is what or how to specifically do something. And I just was just messing around and yeah. made tons of mistakes. But through those mistakes, it led to something pretty interesting, I think. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So tell us the story of how you found photography or you discovered it. Oh, man. I was just – I recently moved to New York City. I moved to New York City uh, because of a girl and then right after we like broke up and I was like by myself (laughs) it just didn't work out and uh, I was in the city by myself which is like a terrifying Mm. thing I had no friends because I was friends with all of her friends and of course the breakup they they totally ditched me yeah (laughs) so I just was listening to music and you know walking around the city and I really got to explore the living organism that is New York yeah and uh, depending on the music I was listening to, it kind of made me, you know, feel a certain way and see things a certain way. And uh, I was just like, man, I really would love to start capturing some of the things that I'm that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. And then uh, I took a bus home to New Jersey one day and grabbed my mom's point and shoot and came back and just took thousands of photos. And I was just firing away at everything. 
Um, and then from there, you know, it evolved. Mm-hmm. And I was a full-time teacher at the time as well. And uh, I I don't know. I just made the crazy decision to resign from teaching. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be a full-time artist. Well, mm-hmm. the universe doesn't work that way for you. you know? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, at what point did you make that decision? Because in both, both with photography and now the photographic art, when does, like, the art become the craft that's actually paying the bills? Like, when did you know this is beyond a hobby and this is profitable? This is something I can sell to people and that I can get people to buy into. Yeah, well that that was a a growing process cuz mm-hmm. initially, you know, I kind of I kind of jump into things sometimes yeah. uh without fully thinking it through, which can Same. be very good and very bad. <laughs> um and so I resigned and I'm like I'm going to be an artist and <laughs> Uh, neg- what does that even negative mean? balance <laughs> right. and evictions go? later. Um, I realized that, you know, I needed to have a balance yeah. with the work and the creative life. So mm-hmm. um, I've been teaching only part time now. Mm. Um, and that supplements the income. And from there, I've been selling artwork, you know, okay. fairly mm-hmm. consistently uh, to the point where I have that nice. Nice. nice duo between the two because I love teaching as well. I think it's a very yeah. important yeah. part of who I am. Yeah, definitely. So, talk a little bit about how like the work influences other aspects of your life, and then those aspects influence the work. Because I've noticed like your photography, it kind of feeds into all these other things mm-hmm. that interest you, especially like the social change aspect. Yeah, um, I went to college for social work, mm. so I mean, I've been in the trenches for about you know, 13 years now just in inner cities and also um, like emergency shelters Mm. and residential facilities for kids who are like abused. And, you know, it's always, always been revolved around working with kids and trying to educate them, whether Mm. social, emotional or academically. And so that's always been a part of me. I've always Mm. wanted to give back. I've always wanted to help. Uh, So what I do with the uh, photography for social change is uh, I create pieces of artwork that have a social commentary, that have a story about things that are going on, whether it's regarding, you know, inequality, racism, sexism, you know, um, anything like that. And part of it is to get someone to ultimately think in a different way, even if it's just for a brief second, because then it's possible that change can occur. Um, and then from the sales of artwork, I, you know, I give a portion of the proceeds to different grassroots organizations that are doing mm. some pretty cool stuff. That's really dope. Um, you know, one thing I really love about what you're saying is like you allowed yourself permission to let what was like a natural passion for you and interest to permeate and almost like inform the work to Courtney's point. I think a, a lot of people I meet struggle with connecting like seemingly disparate like aspects of their life like I have my interests over here Mm -hmm. I have my work over there how do you like what's your advice to people about bringing them together and when do you find opportunities to do that um I mean starting off you had to you had to make time Mm. yeah if you really want it that bad you have to make time no matter what um the ultimate goal really is to have that balance you know it's very difficult to be uh just a straight up full-time artist in any In any medium. Um, So if you can find another occupation that you really, really enjoy doing that doesn't take up all of your time, that gives you that time for a creative outlet. Yes. It's a beautiful marriage between the two things. Yeah. Uh, And it takes a while to get there sometimes. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you have to do things that you don't enjoy to give yourself time to do things that you do. But ultimately, that kind of comes together and you can find two things that you love and do it simultaneously or multiple mm-hmm. things. I mean, everyone in New York City knows. Everyone has like six, six seven different jobs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. and you just make it happen to, yeah. to do what you love. Everyone's basically here trying to follow their dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you find a way. I love that. It's cool. And I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of, I guess, cultivating growth in your work. Because when we met, I feel like you were just kind of finding your groove mm-hmm. And now you're like doing all these shows and exhibitions and you're able to have an income from that. How do like once you find that sweet spot and that aesthetic, how do you keep that from like stifling your creativity? How do you Mm. keep pushing yourself? I mean, I hit creative ruts just like anyone else Mm -hmm. Um, prior to 
my exhibit uh, in Spain this summer, I was in a, a huge rut creatively. Oh, um, wait, what? Yeah. Exhibit in Spain. I know. I tried Impressive. to. I tried to slip that in there nonchalantly. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> nothing slips by. It was kind of, kind of an amazing experience. Yeah, I'm trying to be modest, but it was. It was really. Um, tell us about yeah, it. Pause. Yes. Oh yeah, Spain. Oh man, that was. Um, it was a branch off of one of the exhibits I had in East Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, the owner of the gallery and curator of the the exhibit that I had there, uh, knew a couple of artists, uh, who are also owners of galleries in Spain and New York. Okay. And, uh, he connected me with them and they were like, yeah, dig your work, man. Let's, let's make something happen. So that was, once I found out, I had about two months to, to raise money and get out there. And yeah. I was able to do it thanks to, you know, helpful donations and people like stepping up and buying my artwork and, yeah. I was able to do it, you know, and that's kind of been the, you know, I guess my mantra is just, you just make it happen. Yeah. You know, whatever you need to do, you make it happen. And it's funny, funny story, because I was trying to find the most cost-effective way to get 15 canvas pieces of art out to Europe, mm-hmm. and you can't just mail the stuff out there. Oh, can't you? It costs <laughs> so much money. And so I found the best way was to basically have them rolled with the wood pieces and put them in mm. huge duffel bags and kind of hope for the best mm. and bring it along with me. So I have these like two. Swear- Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. They're like 15 feet long, and they're oh, wow. each like 90 pounds. So I was oversized, oh overweight uh, for the additional charges. Yeah. But... Um, they were cool. They only charged me for overweight, but it went through this conveyor belt because it was curbside check-in. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I know you were sweating. <laughs> so now that. this, I'm like, please let it get to the, the plane. And Did this curbside make... check-in, like, you imagine when it goes through, it branches yeah. out like a tree to all yeah. the airlines it could potentially oh, go to. God. So I was, it was very nerve-wracking. <laughs> well, did it make it? Did well, it make it? I get into Spain and only one bag's there. <sighs> so I'm at, like, the help desk and, you know, I... I don't speak Spanish too well, and no one was speaking English, and I was, like, frustrated. But the bag was so big that it had to go through, like, their freight entrance. So for a good hour, I was sweating it, like, big time. But it worked out. I got everything there. I got everything else. But, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so back to – sorry to derail. Back to your theme because I thought that was a really good question just about growth and and getting getting there. Those creative ruts. Yeah, I mean, whenever I'm in a rut, uh, one of the main things I do is, um, like, read. You know, mm. read something new. Read a new book or... What do you read? What do you read? Oh, man. Currently, I need to get out of this nonfiction thing because it's getting me... <laughs> I'm going down the rabbit hole with But it. you need to get out of nonfiction? Just for a little bit. Because okay. right now, I'm in the middle of... Uh, I'm almost finished with People's History of the United States by okay. Howard Zinn. Um, um which uh, I recommend anyone to read that. It's okay. a very important book. It's basically just uh, the story of the United States told by, you know, the forgotten ones. Mm. You know, the oh, ones whose stories cool. aren't told because mm. the, the elite and the wealthy are the ones that mm-hmm. tell the history. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and then the other one I'm just starting is uh, the new Jim Crow, mm. which, oh, yeah, uh, I've heard great things about that you know, talks yeah, about, woke. you know, the... Uh, not the military, but the um, which industrial complex, the prison, the prison yeah. industrial complex, yeah, and how messed up it is. Privately yeah. owned yeah. prisons making yeah. a ton of money off yeah. of you know this war on drugs that we have that started you know back in the seventies yeah. and eighties. So yeah, in, into some like you know <laughs> deep deep, deep stuff. Uh, so, so you need to pull back a bit. Yeah, maybe read like a graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, or something you know. That's true. Balance is important. Yeah. Um, so you stay inspired by basically just keeping yeah, up just with what's going on, keeping up with what's inspired. going on. Even new music mm-hmm. uh, is always very inspiring. Um, there's a new guy based out of East Harlem called Dave East, mm-hmm. hip hop mm-hmm. artist. Dave East. 
the dude is the truth, man. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really good. He's one of Nas's protégés. So oh, wow. That's always helpful. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, I also want to get into just kind of the economics of what you do. Like, yeah. I think a lot of creatives struggle with taking their yeah. art and their yeah, craft, myself the included. Hustle. Yeah, the hustle. Like, I how think, do you make money? Yeah, because I think people from the outside looking in, they think, oh, I just have to make something really dope. Mm-hmm. And then people are going to see that it's dope. Success. Yeah. Is that the case? Jason? No, yeah, I, I made that mistake too. <laughs> when I when I resigned from teaching, it was like everyone's going to buy my artwork, and no one knew who I was or yeah. what I was putting out there. Yeah, um, I mean, basically at the time, my biggest fan was still my mom. You know, <laughs> which love you, moms mom. are great. You know? Shout out to mom. But I need a little little more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was hard. I mean, the hustle was just continuing to create. That was really the only thing I had control over. There were so mm-hmm. many outside variables that were kind of pushing me down, you know, having to go to check cashing places because I made $175 catering, mm-hmm. but I'm negative 600 balance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's not going to work because I need food. That's real. Um, so just continuing to fight through that and know even in the most difficult, the darkest times, all you have control over is your ability to create yeah. whatever that may be. And the more you create, the better you get, the more you grow. Then people see that you're still doing it. But I'm like, going to oh. challenge you a little bit because okay. I, I don't know. I feel like that's true, but I feel like you've done a really great job of, you know, you got curated in this mm-hmm. exhibit in Spain. You have to be in the right places and you have to put yourself there. So, yeah. I mean, I want to hear about like, especially as a creative or artist, what, you know, what is kind of the behind the scenes? Like, how do you get connected with museum curators? Hit us to the game. Yes. You know, um, what's, what do people have to think about beyond that creation? Especially as a, as a visual artist, you, you have to go to other people's shows. You have to support mm. other artists. And you have to meet these individuals. And mainly, I mean, what I do, I don't go to a ton of shows. I'm not going to a show every night just to, yeah. just to be there. Right. I go to shows that... Um, are of artists that I respect mm. or artists that I've met that are just cool people. You know, you yeah. want to surround yourself around people that you vibe with really yeah. well. Yeah. Cause especially in the, like the street art scene that I'm like trying to get into partially in mm-hmm. right now, you mm-hmm. know, I'm still like a photographer to many of them, <laughs> but I'm like, here's my work, man. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to cross over in that, but you know, there's some individuals that I don't vibe with Yeah, and I just stick around the ones that I do. Um, and like with anything, you need to have a mentor of sorts. Oh. And, uh, for me, that guy is Brian Carhadges. He goes by BK, the artist. Mm. And, uh, I've known him. Oh, I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. Love he's stuff. he's yeah, it's crazy. Really it's crazy. Really um, so he's like blowing up right now. He's mm. doing some really big things, but I was able to connect with him probably about five or six years ago because mm-hmm. we have mutual Baltimore friends. Mm. So he was still still very much up and coming, like mm-hmm. um, at uh, doing live paintings at like a lounge on Ninth Avenue. And I just showed up and I was like, yo, BK, my name's JT. Uh, <laughs> we have a mutual friend <laughs> and it was just nothing but love from him. Yeah. And I stayed in touch and, you know, I, I learned a lot from him how yeah. to get yourself out there, how yeah. to continue to to hustle, you mm-hmm. know, because I, I have no background in art. Right. You know, I was very, very green to everything. Right. So, yeah, having a yeah. mentor for sure. That's yeah. dope. What are the baby steps, though? I Like, what's, like, your first step to showing your work? Because I know people are like, oh, I want to get into an exhibit. And what mm-hmm. I found talking to different artists is, like, it's very much like you kind of have to earn your stripes. Like, sometimes you just put your work in, like, a coffee shop and yeah. then someone sees it. Like, yeah. What are, like, those first steps? The first steps for me were definitely coffee shops, Mm -hmm. Um, whether they're local in the neighborhood that just opened up. Like, you you Mm want to be the first one there, like, hey, I'm an artist. You need some stuff on your walls. Like, if they say no, you're like, all right, you try again next week. You know, maybe (laughs) you actually do. You wear a different outfit or something. Maybe they think you're a different person. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you just keep keep trying, you know, and you have to – you can't go from zero to 100. You can't go from – creating your first piece of art to having a gallery that's, yeah. that's yeah. not that's not real yeah. Yeah. you know it's not going to happen yeah and personally with me i'm not the type of person to to wait for someone to be like okay you're good enough to have an exhibit i was making mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. you know i was you know going to to spaces and there's i was lucky enough that there are a couple spots in east harlem where i i knew the individuals mm-hmm. 
like, let me just do a one night show and I'll, you know, I'll split costs with you. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a percentage of sales. Yeah. And I mean, I've had, I've gone on Craigslist and just yeah. like, Hey, there's a spot, you know, on the Lower East Side that wants to have a show. And I put my artwork up there and like, seriously, no one showed up. Like, yeah. not even my oh, girlfriend really? showed up. Like, cause she had something <laughs> going on that night. But like, literally I was sitting there drinking by myself uh... and no, but. Like you got to brush that off. And yeah, you, you got to deal with the rejection. The yeah, there's tons of rejection. Yeah, you know, and there still is. You just keep moving. Very you know? cool. So I want to shift gears because um, we introduced you. We talked a little bit about Taskbar. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that is and the inspiration for creating that space. Um, the inspiration behind Taskbar was, you know, my partner Jenny Lynn and I. Uh, we have, you know, a loft space that has like open room in like the living area. You're and grossly underselling it, right? Now. It's it's a great I spot. I was at a, you know, a holiday party a yeah. couple of years ago. It's like probably the dopest like it's loft crazy. space I've and been in. And it's not expensive. We like lucked out big time with this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had this, and she's she's a writer. She's been a writer. She's been working for herself for mm-hmm. probably about nine, eight or nine years now. Okay. So she was another person I looked up to when. You know, I'm waking up at five o'clock in the morning to go teach full time. Yeah. And I see her. Mm-hmm. She like shoots me a text at like one thirty two in the afternoon. She's like, yeah, I'm just getting ready, starting my day. And, <laughs> and she makes her own hours. You yeah. Know? She's a creative as well. So yeah. the ma- majority of time she's creating, yeah. it's like three, four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, man, I want to do something like that. I want to be able to have my own time. And that turned into us wanting to create a space an affordable space for mm. other individuals who may be freelancing or who just may be creatives in general because the most, you know, when you're working at home, it can be a very unproductive place to be. Oh, don't you know, know it. Uh, you have the couch and you have television. You have yeah. all these things. But kitchen. The, yeah. the kitchen, right? <laughs> the kitchen. The kitchen. Right? Seamless. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you spend more time ordering food than actually getting work done, you know? But, like, the simple practice of sitting at a a desk Mm -hmm. changes everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's different from a cafe because you may go into a cafe and it's all filled up. Yeah. Or, like, little things. Like, oh, you have your laptop. You have to trust the person next to you when you go to the bathroom that they're not going to jack it. Or you take it with you and then when you come back, you lose your spot. Yeah. 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 But um, so you're talking about like creating structure and discipline around the creative process, which I love because I think that's something a lot of creatives do struggle with. So how do you stay on task? How do you make sure you're delivering work, you know, meeting deadlines or even creating deadlines for yourself if they're not being self like imposed by other sources? I try and make it a point to and it's I'm very much bait. You know, I base a lot of my stuff off the energy, what I'm feeling, Mm. you know, because the energy I have when I'm creating something visually is completely different than when I'm writing something. Mm. And I have to be aware of that. So at two or three o'clock in the morning, I might be getting ready to go to bed. And then all of a sudden I feel this. And there was like, there's this Ted talk I saw that made total sense. It was this woman who was, uh, she was talking about a woman who was this poet back in like the early 1900s. And she would be like farming in her field and she would feel this like energy kind of coming. Mm. And she knew it was her poem that she was supposed to be writing. So she would run home and get that pen to the paper mm-hmm. because if that didn't happen, if she didn't harness that, mm-hmm. yeah. that energy would go yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, that's mine. Yeah. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have to like just be open to what you're feeling mm-hmm. and try and make it a point to even if you don't – if it's not something that you're ready to post up or mm-hmm. – it's not your favorite work just mm-hmm. to continue to practice and keep creating, you know, yeah. it's hard, you know, it's yeah. hard to, to stay disciplined, especially yeah. when you're, you know, working at home and or yeah. working at a different space. It's, yeah, it's a practice for sure. Definitely. But I also like to hear, are there any like tools or trends that you're really paying attention to that you kind of want to share with other creatives that are really helping you with your work? For me personally, um, I don't use Photoshop. Mm -hmm. I use a combination of two computers and three different programs. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's drawn out, but it's my process. Um, But what uh, one of the programs that I'm using right now is Pixlr. It's Mm -hmm. P-I-X-L-R dot com. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's a free online editing program that helps me 
create. It's a major component in what I do. I can't um, believe you are using that. That's like, yeah. I mean, when you look at the work, and you guys, I'm definitely going to link this. Um, that's phenomenal that you're using free software. I think a lot of times we think we have to yeah. invest in the most expensive, cutting yeah. edge, like, you know, tool to create quality work. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even with like, um, so I have a, a DSLR mm-hmm. uh, with a huge uh, wide angle and telephoto lens. And I was using that for a while, but it, it's too hard to get organic shots mm. when you have this huge target on you. People are like, well, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got this point and shoot. It's a Fuji FX10. Wow. And it's probably, at this point, it's probably only like $300 now. Yeah. But I carry that around with me and I use that. And it creates when I blow my pieces up to like forty by sixty, which is really large, yeah. and the quality's still there. So you don't have to spend tons of money. You don't have to get the new, you know, Nikon, whatever it is. Yeah. Like I don't even know. You know? <laughs> I love that. Just create where you are. Yeah, definitely. So what's up next? I know you mentioned before we start recording that you're kind of going back into the caves. Oh, I'm in hard. <laughs> the caves. I'm in hard right now. <laughs> when I got back from Barcelona, I just. I was so inspired um, and it kind of goes into the, you know, the episode that you had a little while ago talking about being in the moment and enjoying mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. There was one crazy part where uh, I was in Rome for like two days because, I mean, this is my first time in Europe. So why not try yeah. and see something else, you know, obviously. So I was in Rome and like the sun was setting and I'm looking at the Coliseum having a glass of wine and it's like, get <laughs> out of here. You gotta be kidding me. It was like, because the first like four days I was just so into like stretching all the canvases and getting things ready. Yeah. That was my first like breather moment. Mm. And uh, I took that back home with me. And yeah. I've been like, I made it a thing. Like uh, since I got back, I think I've created like over 30 pieces wow um and a lot of them deal with uh people portraits mm-hmm. faces um and that's kind of the direction i want to go in right now yeah i love so, it this is exciting well thank you yeah. jt oh, for you joining us Welcome and back. for the inspiration yeah. um for all of you creative minds out there you know we hope that this really kind of resonated with you in a special way it certainly did with me Good. um so thank you for that Thank you. Where guys. can we find you around the web? Where can the people connect with your work? Uh, the website's uh, jtlistphotography.com. Um, and then on Instagram, uh, that's where you'll probably see the majority of my newer pieces. Uh, it's at jtlistphotoart. Awesome. And that's my Twitter handle as well. Great. And you're on Facebook as well, Facebook, JT Liss. I'm open. Friend me. Do whatever. Don't, <laughs> don't be crazy or anything. <laughs> Thank you, JT. Thank you Thanks, guys so JT. much. time for ask job blogs it's our segment of the show where we open the floor to you so if you have a question for us about work whether it's a difficult boss or tough life decisions hit us up we want to help you yes send your questions to ask at jobblogs.com or hit us up at jobblogs.com slash ask jobblogs yes so the first question is what's this question from joy uh, this question. Is it anonymous? It is anonymous. Okay. So it kind of came out of a conversation, but I'm going to go ahead and leave her anonymous. Okay. Um, and it reads, I was recently offered a contractor job at a company I really want to work for, but the money is funky. I asked mm. for 63 k and was offered 65 k with no room to negotiate. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say she asked for 65 and was offered 63 right, That doesn't make sense. I think it was the other way around okay. with no room to negotiate. I'm not that excited about working in this department, but I really want to work at this company. I've also been offered a promotion and a raise at my current company. And then there's an update from when this was submitted that says, I was told the offer was rescinded because I didn't respond by 4 p.m. when the offer was made at 9 a.m. What? The recruiter kept calling me. Who yeah. gives you less than a day to, to okay, you can yeah. start this. Yeah, start so this I mean, <laughs> and that says a lot right there. I yes. mean, at the end of the day, you got to heed the signs, the way a company handles the whole onboarding, recruiting, hiring process can be very indicative of the yeah. culture there. And so 
it sounds like you're seeing some disorganization. It sounds like you're seeing like a lot of escalation and things being made very urgent. Same day, get me a response. Like, yeah, and that's probably how they'll handle every project. Right. So you need to ask yourself, is this a role you want? And then also like with the salary thing. I mean, if you asked for 65 and they gave you 63, like... That's petty. That's, you think that's, it's petty? That's petty Olympics. Yes, <laughs> it is. And I'll tell you why. Because, okay. I mean, like, if this is a big corporation that mm-hmm. has the budget and they just, there's no room. Understandably, sometimes that is the case. But I think for me, coupled with everything else this person's dealing with, yeah. to me, it just feels like not a place that's really going to okay. work with you. There are already some, you got to listen to yourself, right? Yeah. You got to listen to yourself. Like yeah. there's some factors that are off here for you, some things you're not feeling great about. Mm-hmm. You, it's a big decision to leave a current company. Yeah, true. true. Especially one that's like giving you about to give you a promotion or giving you a promotion. So yeah. yeah, it's one of those things like you have to judge. Like, is it worth what you gain? Is it worth what you give up? Yes, exactly. Okay, so it is time for Hired and Fired. And it's special time. Yes. Hired and Fired is the segment of the show where we give a positive not- nod <laughs> to folks in the media um, or pop culture that are just killing the game. Or we serve up termination papers to people who are not. Um, and you can see the whole Hired and Fired team from episodes <laughs> past at joblogs.com slash payroll. So I am up this week. Yes. Are you hiring or are you firing? I am actually hiring. Nice. I'm feeling positive today. Good. Spread the love. Yes. Um, and so I am serving up paperwork to Danny Meyer. Who is Danny Meyer? Danny Meyer is the CEO and the restaurateur of the Union Square Hospitality Group, mm-hmm. which is a really big um, hospitality group here in New York City. They are behind some really huge restaurant names like the North End Grill, the Modern. Some of you guys might know Shake Shack. <laughs> um, he founded that. I think they might have actually sold it, or actually, I'm not sure, but oh, he's Danny behind and I that. Are great. For yes, this. yes. Danny Meyer is behind that. Um, and the reason why I'm hiring Danny is because last month they announced that they were going to institute a policy to not tip basically any of their employees. So. No so tipping customers policy. don't tip. Yes, customers would not tip employees. Um, basically, instead of tipping, they were going to increase the wages of mm-hmm. those, the hostesses, the chefs, the cooks, um, some of the front restaurant staff that nice. don't typically get, you know, don't get it, get to take advantage of like tips that waiters and waitresses are getting. Um, and that announcement was met with a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of surprised to hear that because while it is a pretty disruptive move in terms of like most restaurants here in the U.S. do have a tipping policy, you know, the staff has tipped if you like the service anywhere from, you know, 15-ish to 25 percent. Um, this is really common in Europe. So when I go to visit my parents who happen to live in Switzerland and Geneva, a lot of times like we'll leave a restaurant and I will like hound my dad. I'll be like, oh my gosh, like we have to tip. We didn't tip enough. And my dad has been telling me for years, like, Joy, these guys are making more money than you're probably making. (laughs) So you need to relax. Yeah. So they're paid very well. Um, they tend to be paid generally very well in Europe. And so it's kind of nice to see that coming here to the States for a couple of reasons. One, because to me, waiters, waitresses, hosts, people that work in restaurants are probably some of the hardest working people I know. Listen, like my first job was a waitress. Oh, was it? Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Never again in life. <laughs> as soon as I was internship avail- um, available to do one, I did it. It's really? so hard. It's hard work. They're on their feet all day, all night. They're cleaning up. They're, you know, on deck to do whatever it is that you're asking them to do. Um, so I think, yeah, like, let's raise the wages to make it the type of field where you can have, like, growth advancement and mobility. You can move up if you want to. Like, in mm-hmm. a city in, like, New York City... Um, I learned this when I worked in retail, like retail hospitality. Those are some tough and really competitive industries in a city like this. So I'm a fan of it. But the reason why um, 
to bring it back to the hire, the reason why I want to hire Danny is because I think a lot of times we can get very comfortable and, you know, and just saying like as rationale for not doing something, this is the way it's always been done. Mm. And that's a lot of what I was seeing in terms of some of the resistance and the tension around his decision to do this at, at his 13 restaurants. You know, it's great to sometimes just step out of that and say, does this make sense for me and my business? And if not, let's do something differently. Yeah. So, Danny, you are hired. You just go on, pack your bags and leave that, <laughs> that hospitality group and come work for the money team. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode thank of Jetlogs. Yes. Great episode. Fun episode. So much fun. I'm fun doing this one. Yeah. And you don't have to wait till Mondays to connect with us, as many of you have already discovered. Mm-hmm. You can hit us up anytime at joblogs.com. That's where we post all of our amazing content and articles, as well as the episodes. Um, at job blogs all over social media twitter instagram snapchat and um, we have a weekly newsletter so yes. make sure you sh- sign up at jobblogs.com and you can catch me if you insist <laughs> on <laughs> social media at cleave out loud on instagram twitter and snapchat yes and i am hey miss parker m-i-s-s-p-a-r-k-e-r-r two r's at the end um, don't forget to rate and review us on yes. the iTunes store. Oh my God, I need to re- re- I need to read this. <laughs> Our featured review from at Jeremy D. Will, who's my best friend. But um, don't let. I mean, he also is the most truth telling person. So yes. <laughs> like, if it sucks, is, he would tell us. This review um, is an honor. So this is a review. I live for the side banter and the genuine laughter. It sounds as if you guys are having a party, and I want to be in attendance. Yes. Yes. Well, Jeremy, you could join us anytime. You write Thank that you review. for that review. You guys, if you like any particular episodes of the podcast, please consider submitting us to earbud.fm, oh, which cool. is a new project from NPR. Um, you can't like just submit your own podcast, which I think is like awesome. It's a phenomenal way to really get to the bottom of really great content. So if you guys like any particular episodes of ours, uh, consider consider and consider <laughs> submitting us to earbud.fm <laughs> um, special thanks as we wrap up to our producer and audio engineer Adrian Wagner um, also thanking Mercy Sound Recording Studios yes with these lovely couches we're yes. so comfortable yes, we have been living it up <laughs> over here and thanks to Greg Jansen who helped us out in the studio today and thank you thank you you that one with the earbuds in (laughs) you thank you for listening till next time hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.